0: Welcome to Here's A Social on the Air, episode 89.
1: We love to make great products that
0: really enrich people. Google's mission is to organize the
1: Yahoo is about making It's
0: Google. an incredible day on Wall Street.
1: It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's
2: awesome. It's the research program that I'm mm-hmm. going to describe. The more the difficult invention. So, um, so. Around
0: the clock, Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiolo. So in today's episode, I'm excited to bring one of the industry thought leaders and someone that I've known for quite some time, Robert Knope, who is the CEO and founder of Assist You Today, who I actually recently saw and we were able to catch up at the Limer Loma Social Business Conference for Financial Services in Boston, and both of uh, uh, Robert and I served as uh, judges in the Silver Bowl Awards. And so as a result of being together, we, you know, having conversations regarding the changes that are taking place the evolution of social media and uh, digital technology within financial services, which is of course one of my favorite subjects. And in talking, I said, you know, I gotta bring you on the show to share exactly what you're doing to assist organizations and individuals really embrace social media and social selling to drive business, add value, and then of course lead to actual sales. And so without further ado, here is my interview with uh, Rob, who uh, joined us from Orange County. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Okay, so joining me from Orange County, California, we've got our good friend Robert Canope on the line. So welcome, Robert.
2: Good morning, Victor. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Now, you and I have uh, known each other for quite some time, uh, working with each other in the time you were with Pacific Life, and now you're... uh, active in leading your own organization called Assist You Today. And we uh, just recently saw each other once again at the Limerick Loma Social Business Conference for Financial Services in Boston. And so uh, it was there that we had this conversation about wanting to get on the show just because we're having a lot of the same conversations. And so I'm excited to have you on the show just so that you can share your thoughts on digital transformation. But before we go into all that, and to provide a little bit of background and context, why don't you share for our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and then what you're doing today?
2: Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Victor. I've been listening to the podcast for a while, so it's exciting to be in the, the hot seat. <laughs> um, yeah, my, back,
1: <laughs>
2: my background is uh, originally from the Midwest, moved out to sunny Southern California about, scary to say, about 20 years ago now, right after college. And I ran a consulting business that was focused on technology, startups, and entertainment for about five or six years. And we did advertising, branding, creative. It was really a full-service shop and had a lot of uh, big clients, really really proud of the work that we did back then. Uh, From there, I moved into startup land, and I worked for a company called eUniverse. And my biggest claim to fame there was I helped work on MySpace. That's where MySpace originated, so we launched that, and I uh, from there moved down to financial services, and that's where I spent the last twelve years of my career. Uh, first with Countrywide, then went through the uh, the Bank of America transition, which was interesting. Um, from there, moved down to the Capital Group slash American Funds. Um, after that, Pacific Life. A few months ago, I uh, I realized I really missed that consulting uh, aspect. Uh, I was really happiest in my career when I was. Consultants, but I took the plunge once again and and I really just wanted to help people. You know, I think uh, when you work for one company, you can help one company. When you work for a consulting company, you can help a lot of companies. And when you work for your own consulting company, you can do things like uh, our Help Us Help You program, where for every for profit company we work with that assist you today, we also work with a nonprofit as well. So it's been so great to work with these nonprofits and that maybe you know can't afford marketing or social media from a resource or consulting perspective, to, to really give them the tools they need so they can succeed and, and thrive, and, and really help those folks help a lot of other folks. So it's really exciting stuff.
0: That's that's some exciting stuff there, Robert. Especially I really. I did not know that you were helping these not-for-profit or organizations that are looking for assistance, and it's really admirable. I wish more companies did that kind of work. And you also have a very rich background when it comes to understanding, obviously, the regulated uh, industry and landscape that we operate in financial services. Uh, now, your focus, I believe, continues to be in looking at social selling, right, and helping individuals and companies be able to leverage access to social media and the technology that exists, really so that they can get much better at creating and converting prospects into sales. So can you tell us a little bit from your perspective, how do you define social selling?
2: Well, for me, social selling is using social media to add value to create genuine win-win relationships with clients, whether those are companies or individuals that strengthen relationships and then drive sales. hmm so to, to give an example, if you look at kind of the end-to-end process, you know, the, the first step is really determining your ideal target audience. So it's, it's finding the right people, um, then connecting with those people, then starting to add value. Did uh, you ever see Meet the Parents, Victor? Uh, I did. It was one of my favorite films. Yeah, so you remember when Robert De Niro was talking about the, the circle of trust? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> well, for me, social selling is all about that. You're getting inside that circle of trust. Um, if you're, if you're building a relationship and you're engaging with these folks and you're trying to find out what their needs truly are and trying to solve those needs, then you're no longer a sales representative. You're now a trusted business partner and you're their buddy. So when you have a problem, who do you call? Do you call a sales rep or are you going to call your buddy? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you want to be your client's buddy. And if you're doing it right, you really are that client's buddy. you you've helped them. Increase their business, and provided a custom-tailored solution to their needs. You've added value and thus earned that sale, which is huge.
0: So, Rob, given that uh, the financial services industry is a high-trust environment, uh, especially when it comes to dealing with people's money and helping them out, how do you go about doing that?
2: So, how do I go about doing it? I mean, the first step is really determining that right target audience that's aligned with your strategy, and your business goals and your products. you coaching your sales and marketing teams how to find that right target audience using uh, social media. And you know, the question is that I get all the time is, well, why would you use social media? Well, you know, as, as you and I talked about in Boston, Victor, I mean, the world has really changed. I mean, if we look at um, you know some of the Silver Bowl award winners, which were the you know, the, the big winners, and we were both the judges. Uh, those are the, the best performing, uh, maybe not the best performing as in metrics, but the best performing, you know, you know, most innovative campaigns, most innovative uses of social technologies or by financial advisors or whatever that may be within financial services. Those are the award winners for this year. We were both judges for that. And what we both noticed was everything is really integrated nowadays with social. Social media is just the norm now. It's part of the way that we do business and it really needs to be. I saw a stat recently that said the average adult in the United States checks their social media site 17 times a day, 17. So people are only awake for 16 hours in a day. So at least once an hour, That means you and I, Victor, we're checking our our Facebook, our Twitter, our LinkedIn, whatever that may be, more than once an hour. And it's funny, I mean, I think about that a little bit, and with as much time as I spend on Twitter and LinkedIn, that actually seems kind of low. For me, it's probably more like 25 to 30 <laughs> times a day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I, think about, I think about my kids. I mean, everything that they've ever wanted to know is on daddy's phone. I have two six-year-old boys, twins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same is for all kids that are under 11 years old. So these people are going to be potential clients for, for banks in 10 years. So you think sales team members are going to have a lot of success reaching out to these folks via cold calling. I don't think they're going to. Um, So for one, one of the biggest opportunities out there to capitalize on this big shift to, you know, everything's moving to digital, everything's moving to social is really from a sales standpoint, because right now every sales team has the same problem. The sales tactics that have made so many sales teams so strong for so long, are becoming less and less effective. Uh, Cold calling response rates are about 3% right now, and email response rates are about 4% right now. So you gotta call 100 people just to get three people to talk to you.
0: Hmm. So why do you think that is?
2: Well, for me, it's all about volume. When I was in the corporate world, I received about 300 emails a day, and about 30 calls a day. I didn't even have time to respond to the people I needed to let alone a vendor selling a product to the company or to me personally. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question, Victor. Okay. And maybe you don't want to answer this on the air, but do you open emails to people you don't know or do you just delete?
0: It's funny. I I think what I do is what a lot of people do is when I get in the morning or if I'm checking on my phone, I go through all my emails and the first thing I do is delete the ones I know I'm not even going to bother reading, and 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 I'll waste you know a couple of minutes doing that, and I keep thinking to myself, why don't I just unsubscribe because I'm not going to open these emails? But yeah, I, I do that every day.
2: Well, it's funny, I, I do I do the same thing, you know. My first you know five to ten minutes every morning is deleting a bunch of emails, so. You know, it doesn't matter how good your pitch is. If you're someone that wrote that email and it's trying to get a hold of you, Victor, or they're trying to get a hold of me, it's never even going to get read. Mm-hmm. And I'll even add another layer to that, Victor, when I get a phone call from someone that I don't know, if I don't recognize that phone number, I don't answer the call. So if I don't know who's the, – the email center, for example – you know, I just mainly delete it. If I don't know the phone number, I don't listen to it. And I rarely check my voicemail. So how is, how do you get in front of these people in this mobile and digital and social world where they're just inundated with messages and phone calls? Well, to me, that's where social selling comes in. Mm -hmm. Top social sellers get response rates of 50% or higher on LinkedIn. So if I'm a sales rep, you know why wouldn't I want to get a 17x boost in response rate and meetings versus that three percent that I would see via cold calling? Mm-hmm. I mean that's a huge difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
0: I mean, and and when going back to you know receiving these calls uh, on my cell phone of people I don't recognize and numbers I don't recognize, I'm actually adding that additional step, and I'm not sure how many other people might do this. And that is, I go online to Google, I'll put in the phone number, and and then you'll see that it's probably a solicitation call or a spammer, and then I go through the added volume, or I go to the added exercise of blocking that number, and yet I still get two or three calls like this a day. So, given that this is really a fight for attention, what is it about social that makes it so effective?
2: Well, again, I think it comes down to volume. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. How many, we talked about 300 emails in a day we talked about 30 phone calls a day how many linkedin messages in a day do you receive Mm,
0: probably on average anywhere between one to two uh,
2: a day one one to two exactly i'm on linkedin probably about four hours a day and i only get about 10 messages in a week so do you remember back when you only got say one to two emails in a day
0: (laughs) it was a long time ago it was a long time ago but it was excited when i did get that one email
2: Exactly. I mean, for me, it was back when I was in college and I was was just like you, I was excited to get that email. I would drop everything I was doing and I would open that email and I would read it right away. So that's where people are with LinkedIn right away Mm -hmm. or or right now, I should say, Mm -hmm. is in social selling, it really cuts through that clutter. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It cuts through the spam. It allows you to have targeted conversations on a one-to-one level that add value to both parties. To get an appointment and to close more business it's all about adding that value it's a huge value to the company it's a huge value to the sales rep and it's a huge value to the end client there's no better way to get in front of someone nowadays. Mm-hmm. so i'll give you an example so i was working with a b2b company recently and they had great market penetration but there were two companies that traditionally didn't sell their products and services so this company was in the midst of an initiative to do more work with these companies, or try to do more work with these companies when I came on board. And they were using phone calls, they were using emails, and they were using pop-ins. Uh, did you ever used to watch Seinfeld, Victor?
0: <laughs> a long time ago, yeah. Good show.
2: Remember the uh, you remember the pop-in where you would just show up at someone's house, just you know, do a pop-in?
0: <laughs> it's been a while since I've done a pop-in, but yeah, I do remember.
2: So they were doing those as well. So they would just show up at the location. They would also call. You know, they would do uh, blast emails as well. And you know, these these tactics they just weren't working. So I looked at the companies and I looked at the results they were receiving, and I suggested they add LinkedIn into their communication mix. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they were a little skeptical because they hadn't done this before. So we set up a pilot group. We said, okay, great, understand you're skeptical, skeptical. Let's just do a pilot. Well, that pilot group, when they did set it up, the results went through the roof. We received four times the response in compared to phone and email than we were receiving previously. And we see four times the appointments and a much higher overall sales number with that pilot group than we saw with the group that wasn't using it. So we're now starting to roll it out to the entire sales force. So it's really exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So considering, you know, that this is an exercise that we said before in in getting people's attention uh, and really once you have that attention, being able to illustrate the value that hopefully leads to a sale. One of the biggest questions we get, Rob, from just about every organization that is evaluating whether social is good for them or not is what is the ROI? It's that one golden question that everybody starts asking just to try to understand how does that value actually translate to dollars? So what is the ROI from your perspective?
2: Well, that's one of the the questions I get all the time. A lot of people first ask me, you know, can you measure the results of these programs? And the answer is absolutely yes. And I think it's imperative that every company measures their results on these efforts as close to the end of the funnel as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you can measure it to the lead level, that's great. If you can measure it down to the appointment level, even better. Uh, revenue even better, but ideally down to net income. I know that's hard,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but once you do that, it'll open up a whole world for you. For example, I mentioned that top social <laughs> sellers get a 50% response rate when they reach out via LinkedIn. Because I measure everything that I do at my business in the end, I know that I get an 88% response rate when I reach out via LinkedIn. Hmm. So if you compare that to cold calling, I can make 100 calls and get three people to talk to me or I can reach out to hundred people via LinkedIn and get 88 to talk to me. <laughs> Much better. So,
0: yeah. Much better numbers with the LinkedIn. Yeah.
2: yeah so as a result, I, I mean, I've had my business for about four months now and I haven't made a single cold call or sent a single blast email in the four months that I've been in business. Everything I do starts with LinkedIn and it starts with Twitter and I have more leads right now that I can follow up with. And if we bring it back to financial services for a minute, I was talking with one of my clients recently, and the ROI, based on their sales data for the social selling work that we've done this year, is looking like it's going to be about a 10x return on investment, wow. and that's just for year one. Hmm. The projected ROI for, or by year five, I should say, we're projecting it to be about 200x. So for every dollar they spend on social selling, they're going to get $10 back this year and $200 back by year 5 mm-hmm. So you asked, you know, how do you do, I mentioned the first step is to really determine that right target audience and coach your sales and marketing teams and how to find that audience using social channels with Twitter, with LinkedIn, with Facebook. From there, it's really creating a messaging and communication cadence to establish a relationship with those folks, then creating a messaging and communication cadence to schedule a point with, with those folks. And, you know, as luck would have it, that's what we at you today help with. We help at every stage of that process to determine that right target audience, to do the coaching on how to find those folks, how to talk to them, how to reach out, and then the messaging and communication cadence.
0: So a lot of this, Rob, goes back to conversations I've had with other people in this industry. And I think that one of the fallacies of social media at the get-go as it relates to financial services was the fact that too many organizations were placing it along the same lines of cold calling and direct mail and other prospecting mediums as opposed to putting it where I think it sits, and that is like your telephone or a communication tool or your computer because nobody actually questions the ROI of your computer Or of your telephone, and that's where I see social media sitting as opposed to thinking of it along the lines of cold calling and direct mail. And so you've illustrated that there is an ROI and that there is an opportunity for people to actually make that connection that leads to actual sales.
2: Absolutely. I mean, right now, there's no better way to find the right people to get in front of them and establish a connection than using social channels. Mm -hmm. Uh, At some point, you're going to move to email, you're going to move to phone, you're going to move to face-to-face. But to start that conversation, the results that you get via social versus the results that you get via your your traditional channels like blast email and cold calling, there's just no comparison to numbers. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think that... People are a little gun-shy to begin with when it comes to, uh, you know, adopting to a new new technology and trying to build it into their business practice. And so what do you tell people? Like, what can people do today? Let's say if you wanted to get started with social selling, how would you coach them? What would you tell them to do?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely give some tips on what you could do today to get started, whether it's for you or for your, your marketing and sales teams. And as a reminder, to, and you definitely want to check with your compliance team before you do any of these things. I don't want to make trouble, of course. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the first tip for me is to create a profile that will get found. So complete your profile as much as possible on LinkedIn, for example. Um, write a description, write a summary, add publications that you've been mentioned in or things that you have written, add organizations and charities that you support, and then take it a step farther and use SEO-friendly keywords throughout each one of those. Mm -hmm. And you can compare and contrast different words on Google Trends to see what the search traffic is for each one of those. What this does is it helps get you found. For example, right now, if you search my name, Robert Knope, on Google, the first thing that comes up is my LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, the first thing that came up was a professor at Vanderbilt's Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So because I've optimized my profile as much as possible, and, you know, sent out all the feelers and then everything I need to do from a search engine optimization perspective, I'm now the number one thing that comes up when you search for my name. Mm. So create a profile that's going to get found.
0: So as the best practice, as you're saying, is build this profile and ensure that it's got the right keywords? You know, one question that we get often, and I'm just curious about your, your take on this, is should the summary on, let's say, your LinkedIn profile, should it be written in a first person or third person?
2: You know, I I see third person a lot and I I definitely recommend first person as much as possible. Mm -hmm. This is this is you. This is the voice that you're putting out to the world. This is how people are going to find you and what they're going to say about you, and what they're going to think about you. So I would establish my description, establish my summary as what do you want to say to your potential clients? That's how I would write it. And so I would definitely do first person and not third.
0: Okay, great.
2: So a second tip that I would give is connect with your current client's and network. It's five times easier to retain and grow your current client base than it is to get a new client. So connect with your current clients, your coworkers, people in similar roles at other companies that are similar to yours, people you meet at conferences. Once you do that, these folks are then going to see your updates. They're going to see content that you post and and more. So this keeps you top of mind with them and increases the reach of your content and your overall network. So connect with your current clients and your current network as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and one of the, one of the enhancements I saw on LinkedIn, Rob, recently, and maybe it's not so recent, which I started using is. Uh, oftentimes if you don't have a CRM system, like most people, if let's say they meet someone at a conference, they'll take that information, those notes, they'll put it back in their CRM system, back in the office, but I noticed that LinkedIn now has the ability for you to actually, if you connect with the person on LinkedIn and they become a first tier connection, you can actually go in there and write notes of where you met the person, maybe a conversation that you had, which are really private notes for yourself. No one else can see it. And I started using this feature just because as I go to conferences, I want to remember exactly what I talked to someone about, where I might have met them. And that way, because I'm likely to see some of these people again, I can always go back and revisit those notes. So it's been a very useful feature for me.
2: hundred percent agree. Uh, You know, every person that I connect with, for example, I'll definitely write some notes about them to make sure that I I don't lose that because you meet so many people, you talk to so many people, um, that it's easy to, even if it was, you know, six months ago to to really forget that conversation. What did we talk about? What were the key points? Where Mm -hmm. did I meet this individual? Right. Your point right there in the LinkedIn profile. So when they reach out to you the next hour, when you want to talk with them, you know everything that you talked about the last time. It's a great way to to keep all that information really handy.
0: Okay, so make sure that you do connect with as many people as possible to start building that network. So you're on a roll, keep going.
2: Okay, I'll I'll give you a third one. The third one I would give is start to find your ideal target audience. So first thing you got to do is determine who that is. So what you got to do is determine, look at your data, look at who buys your products and services today, look at who you would want to buy your products and services long-term, and determine the key attributes of that audience. Then use LinkedIn Advanced Search to find them based on those criteria. So, for example, if it's, if you want to find CPAs in Beverly Hills, that have been in business for 20 years, you can do that. Mm-hmm. If you want to find doctors in orange County that have their own practices, you can do that. So it depends on what your target audience is. Do you want to find financial advisors in New York city that work for Merrill Lynch? You can do that. So what are those key attributes that you want to find with your target audience and then find those people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Once you find them, reach out for those prospects. But the final tip I'll give is, make sure when you do reach out to these folks, personalize those invitations to connect, if you're doing it through LinkedIn, for example.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely reach out to them, but make sure it's personalized. Find out three things about the person, whether it's you went to the same college, or maybe you both worked at a previous company together, or maybe you support the same charities, so if you both went to the University of Michigan and you both used to work at Bank of America or you both support the ASPCA, those are great conversation starters to start to build a rapport. And it's the same thing that you would do offline from a sales perspective. You're just doing it online now. So you're mm-hmm. taking all those great uh, you know, sales tactics and sales practices that sales teams have been just crushing it offline with for years, and you're bringing those online and that's the great part about social selling is it's the same process that teams have used for years and years and years. Social selling doesn't reinvent the wheel. It just moves the racetrack. Mm-hmm. So the best ways to reach out to these folks, though, are connections in common. Just like in the in the offline world, nothing beats a warm introduction. So, Victor, if I'm... If so I'm trying to get a hold of you, for example, but I didn't know you, but I know some other folks that work at here. Say I know Claire, for example, I might reach out to Claire and say, Hey, I'm looking to get in touch with Victor. I'd love to talk to him about something. Mm-hmm. Can you make an introduction? I would do it that way, for example. That's the best way. And another great way is to engage with someone's content. Say you posted something, Victor, on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on Facebook, you know, especially if you wrote it yourself. You're giving that person validation if you engage with that. We've all posted a selfie on Facebook, and it feels really good when someone says you look great, or you get that like from somebody, right? You remember those people that liked that selfie? You remember those people that didn't like that selfie? Well, well, the same is true with with LinkedIn or Twitter. If you're posting an article or if you're sharing some content, you know, give someone that like. Tell them how much you like the piece and why. It's a great way to start a conversation with someone. It's a great way to start a relationship. With But make sure you personalize those connections as much as possible. So that would be the final tip.
0: Those are all really, really great points, Rob. And, you know, I I say that, you know, social media, especially when you look at LinkedIn profiles or any of the profile pages, whether it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, there's a lot of rich information there. And so I I say you look and seek out those common points of connection, which make that first reach out a little bit warmer. Um, And I've had a lot of success uh, even when I was working as an advisor, of uh, going through the LinkedIn profile of a potential prospect in advance and seeing where they went to school, seeing what groups and associations they're part of, and trying to find those common points of connection that will allow you to you know, almost immediately establish a relationship, at least on that common point. And so the fact that social media provides you this rich data and information – the real value is how do you use this, and how do you how do you leverage this information from a standpoint to enhance, you know, the relationships you're having either with new prospects or in many cases with those existing relationships that you have. So, all really good points.
2: Yeah, and it's all about value. The more value you add, you add to others, the more value you're going to get back.
0: Okay, so one of my favorite things to ask people like yourself who are embedded in this industry, have a rich background and understanding of some of its limitations and challenges. We were just recently, as I mentioned before, at the Limer Loma Social Business Conference for Financial Services, and there was a lot of conversation about where this is heading and where this is evolving. And so I wanted to ask you, Rob, where do you think all of this is headed when it comes to the uh, adoption and evolution of digital technology and financial services?
2: Yeah, for me, I see it becoming a way of life in the near future. The world is becoming more and more digital, more and more mobile. I mean, mobile traffic has exceeded non-mobile traffic for the last two or three years, and that's not going to change. That's only going to increase. Mm-hmm. So I think, see things like social selling becoming a way of life in the near future. I also see social media becoming more and more fragmented in the near future as well. So sales teams, marketing teams, they're going to need to be savvy with multiple channels to reach audiences in the future. For example, you've already seen fragmentation start with the move by many 15- to 25-year-olds away from Facebook and Instagram towards Snapchat. Mm -hmm. Sales teams at some point are going to need to learn how to use Snapchat effectively to reach that audience or whatever the, the next new social channel is that hasn't come out yet. There's going to be more and more. I think the audience is going to be fragmented. So you're going to have to master a lot of these different channels where today, you know, if you're a financial advisor and you want to use social media effectively, you really, you got three that you got to focus on. You got LinkedIn first and foremost, and then to a lesser degree, Twitter and Facebook. But eventually you're going to have to know five, six, 10 different channels. You know them effectively because you got to reach out to these folks where they want to have conversations. I saw a stat recently that said the number one preferred method of business communication for millennials is social media, not personal communication, business communication. So, if that's number one, if that's what they would prefer, then we got to start figuring that out Mm -hmm. as an industry.
1: Right.
0: Well, no doubt, you know, people like yourself who are out there and working and serving, you know, a number of different customers and coaching them. Through your organization has certainly making an impact and a difference in how people adopt to the ideals behind social selling. And I think that if there's a couple of takeaways from today, I mean, number one is that it doesn't take much to get started. And the second one is for a lot of people, especially professional salespeople, it shouldn't be very different from the things they've been doing all along. It's just moving it into a different communication medium, which is digital, which is social so um Rob if people wanted to find out more about you your organization and, and perhaps contact you what would be their best way of doing that
2: well thanks Victor so at assist you today I mean what we do is we help companies shift social media from a driver of engagement to a driver of revenue so if you want to get a hold of us you can reach out to me on LinkedIn Robert Canope last name spelled kNOP you can reach out via Twitter at assist you today all one word at our website www dot Assist you today.com, or you can always give me a ring at three two three nine seven two three five six six. I'm always happy to chat.
0: Great, and I'll make sure to include all of the information also on the show notes that accompany each one of our podcasts. But on behalf of everyone here at Hearsay Social, I just wanted to thank Robert. Uh, once again, for joining us on the show. And uh, if you want to find out more, just go ahead and reach out to Rob. I'm sure he'll be happy to talk to you. But uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks, Victor. I really appreciate
0: it. Okay, so that was my interview with Rob great conversation obviously someone who understands the challenges and the opportunities that exist within financial services and i think that stems from the fact that rob has worked in this industry now for quite some time to really be able to translate and tell the stories and share the appropriate statistics that I think really help move the needle and have people see the light as to why this matters. And so I want to thank uh, Rob once again for being on the program, and I invite and encourage you all who are listening that if you have someone in mind or if you'd like us to invite other guests to the show, much like Rob, to share their thoughts and especially their, uh, you know, the, the pointers that they provide in how you can do this better. Please let me know. You can either send me an email at onair@hirsaycorp.com, or you can also reach out to me via Twitter. Uh, just make sure to use hashtag HsOnAir. So once again, thank you so much for joining us here on Hearsay Social on the Air. Looking forward to providing a lot of more rich programming between now and the end of the year. Got some exciting guests that are kind of lining up for the show, including some of the people within our organization here at Hearsay Social. But once again, this is Hearsay Social on the Air, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Take care. has been a hearsay social production recorded in our state-of-the-art recording studios in San Francisco, California, the great golden state, seated at the watery edge of the majestic Pacific Ocean. We'd like to take this brief moment in the vast expanse of time to thank you, our listeners, for lending us your ears. For we understand that your
2: time is precious. Like the most delicately crafted pearl, cradled at the bottom of the sea. Truly, we hope to our most inner heart and soul that you'll consider joining us for next week's episode. But until then, Godspeed, and follow us on Twitter,